Today, as we are reaching the sixth petition in the Lord's Prayer, while we're celebrating our confirmands publicly affirming their faith and joining the church, I am reminded of how life is filled with choices and challenges. These young people, they're going to face a lot of tough choices in their life, just like you and I are going to face many more in ours. Inherent in these choices and challenges are temptations often. Today, as these young people and many of us continue, we, it's important to realize that the choices we make when tempted often determine the trajectory of our lives. Sometimes even the smallest of choices that we think are so harmless and so inconsequential and no big deal, sometimes they can be the first step in a direction of which we will wind up at a destination that we never ever thought we would be there. And it's not what we wanted. It's important to go into our spiritual journeys aware of what's coming and not being naive or burying our heads in the sand. Sin in its multitude of forms has a way of alienating us from God and ultimately from one another, often without us realizing that it's even happening. No one is immune to temptation and sin's destructive and costly consequences. When God instructed Moses, you remember the story? They were out in the wilderness. They were thirsty. Moses, in his frustration, God said, I want you to speak to the rock. But what did Moses do? He took the rod and he slammed it into the rock and basically took credit for the miraculous provision. And it cost him entrance into the promised land. He never got to set a foot in it, even though he led the people for more than 40 years. Think about that. One impulsive swing. When we think about David, one lustful look at Bathsheba on the rooftop one night led to an affair that led to an unexpected pregnancy, that led to a murderous cover-up, that led to the child's death and the future chaos in his family marred by violence, incest, and betrayal. He never thought about that that night, I bet you, at all. In recent history, I can think of at least two prominent pastors who have fallen from grace due to sexual misconduct or financial impropriety. In both cases, their bad decisions in the face of temptation led to their reputations being ruined. Who knows what heartaches within their family and their positions in their ministries having to be given up. But you don't have to be in the public eye to experience the sting of sin. Given the spiritual and often emotional and physical ramifications of making the wrong choice in the face of temptation, Jesus includes in his model prayer for us these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Have you ever thought about those words? When you stop and think about it, it seems kind of weird to have to ask, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Why would we have to request that? <laughs> Is there ever a time when God might lead us into temptation otherwise? I mean, that doesn't seem to make sense. If anything, I would think that God would never want to lead us into temptation. So why would Jesus tell us to ask that he not? To help us understand what I believe is going on here, I want to turn to our outline. As it states there at the beginning, in this life, temptation will test us. T-E-S-T. -E That's our four-point outline right there, that acronym. And the first point is temptation. we got to realize temptation does not come from God. We need to get that out there early on. Temptation does not come from God. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and gives brone, gives birth to death. It's clear here God doesn't tempt us. Temptation comes from our own evil desire, James says, that drags us away. Think about that imagery there. Drags us away from God and entices us to sin. Temptation lures us, if you will, into its trap by making sin look desirable, like that bait on the hook for the fish. And once we have taken that bait, it hooks us and reels us in for the kill. That is exactly the opposite of what our good and gracious Heavenly Father wants for us. The holy God in the heavens does not and cannot desire evil. Therefore, he does not and cannot wish for us to participate in evil. So it makes no sense to say that God would potentially tempt us because he won't. He will not. But God will lead us to people and places where we might encounter temptations following Christ will inevitably lead us into circumstances in which we are tempted in unique ways. After Jesus was baptized, we read in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Notice the Holy Spirit took Jesus to a place in a circumstances where he would face the devil and would be tempted by him. But God did not lead him into temptation itself. Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are. You hear that? He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. That was the contemporary 
English version. This and other verses make it clear that Christ followers and others are tempted in this world. And that brings us to our obvious second point, expect to face temptation. We shouldn't be caught off guard. Expect to face it. It's coming. With all this in mind, I believe the key to understanding Jesus' instruction to pray, lead us not into temptation, involves a figure of speech known as litotes or litotes, however you want to say it. Litotes is basically an understatement during which we negate the opposite of what we're saying. That's about as clear as mud, right? It would be to me. So it's, I found it's easier to explain it by some examples. If a car salesman is trying to convince you to buy a car, he might assure us you won't be sorry that you got it. Meaning, you'll be glad if you buy it. All right, you follow it? When we say this particular task is not rocket science, in actuality, what we're saying is what? It's easy. It's simple. All right, when we say that a task, excuse me, on the Andy Griffith show, if you remember, Aunt B's the medicine man. You remember that episode? She comes in toward the beginning to the jailhouse complaining to Andy about what? Went to see the doctor again, and he said, We're no spring chickens anymore. You remember that episode? What does that mean? They're getting older. They're getting older. One more example. When I'm going on a trip, or if I'm participating in a trip like the confirmation retreat, you might hear one of the other leaders say, The pastor has no sense of direction. He doesn't have the best sense of direction. Meaning what? I'm terrible with directions, and you don't want me leading the caravan. Now, if Jesus is using litotes here, when he tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation, what does that actually mean? Lead us not into temptation. Lead us out of and away from temptation. Or if you want to look at it another way, lead us into God's will. means the opposite, right? I think nothing could illustrate it further than the story of a mother, simple story, as she was pushing her small child in the grocery cart while shopping in the supermarket. And she kind of had her mind on other things, and she turned down a particular aisle. It was the candy aisle. And as she realized what aisle she was fixing to go down, she turned the cart around immediately and went on to the next aisle. Why? Because she recognized the temptation that it would pose to her small child. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, according to the New Living Translation, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And in instructing us to pray that God lead us not into temptation, Jesus clearly anticipates there are going to be times we face temptations over and over again. And that is why we need to focus and depend upon God to show us a way out, or to put it another way, to 
take the reins of the shopping carts that we're in, whip us around, and take us away from it. I'm reminded of Carrie Underwood's 2005 song, the words to it, Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands, because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. In James chapter 4, verses 7, 8, and 10, it says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Submission to God is critical to resisting and overcoming temptation. But if we have spent time in prayer drawing near to him as our loving Father and the God in the heavens, if we have spent time praying for his name to be hallowed, his kingdom to come, and for his will to be done in our own lives and in this world, if we have spent time recognizing that we are completely dependent upon him for our daily bread and our daily needs and dependent upon him for the forgiveness of our sins and the debt that we could never ever repay, we're dependent upon him to pay it and forgive us as we forgive others. Then it should come naturally, or should I say supernaturally, that we submit ourselves to God as we focus on him in the face of our temptations. If you think about it, we should be led by God like a well-trained dog is led by its master. You know, when a master has a well-trained dog and places food on the floor in front of the dog and says, wait, what does the dog do? It waits, obviously. What else does it often do? Those of you with dogs are to think carefully. Where is the dog's focus normally? It's normally on the master. If you're looking at that treat, that temptation grows and grows and grows. Most dogs, when they're trained, will focus on the face of the master. Now, how many times have we succumbed to temptation simply because we took our focus off the face of the master and looked on the temptation? Billy Graham said, don't savor temptations. Don't dwell on them or toy with them or replay them over and over in your mind. The more you think about a particular temptation, the more enticing it becomes. We can't flee from temptation in our own strength, but God will give us the strength we need if we only seek it. A friend of mine says, when the devil knocks, I just send Jesus to the door. It's easier said than done, isn't it? This brings us to our third point. Strength from God is needed or necessary to overcome Temptation. Strength from God is necessary to overcome temptation. We can't do it on our own. On our own, we are weak. 
On our own, our heads are thick and our hearts are hard. On our own, we are vulnerable to Satan's lies and enticements. When Jesus instructs us to pray to God that he lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, he wants us to recognize our proneness to sin apart from his help. I'm reminded of the words of that great hymn of our faith from the 18th century by Robert Robinson, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You remember the third verse of that hymn? It goes like this. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You ever thought about those words when we sang them? We do have a proneness to wander. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Peter also warns us in his first letter, chapter 5, verse 8, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Lions do hunt in the daytime, but they often typically hunt when? In the cloak of darkness, their eyes are keen even in the darkness. What does Satan want to do to us when we're dancing in the darkness and flirting with the darkness? Devour us. Some watching today or listening, you may think you're getting away with something in the darkness, but I can assure you that lion will devour you if you don't watch it and wake up and pray with your heart, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. That leads us to our fourth point. Triumph over evil requires watching and praying. Triumph over evil requires watching and praying. Jesus understands our vulnerability as well as the enemy's cunning, so he instructs us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Here, author and theologian Dr. J.I. Packer attests that this prayerful petition conveys one single idea. This is how he describes it. Think of it. Quote, life is a spiritual minefield. Amid such dangers, we dare not trust ourselves. Father, keep us safe. There's no better place that this is pictured than when Jesus was with his disciples in Gethsemane. After all the palms had been waved and everything had been celebrated, the night before Jesus would die for us, he found himself under extreme anguish at the weight and the burden he was about to bear. And we read in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, starting with verse 32. 
they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus' language here, if you really think about it, reminds us of a soldier who's been posted to be on the lookout for the enemy, to keep watch, to stay alert. Here, Jesus is not asking Peter, James, and John to be on the lookout for those that were coming to arrest him, the armed soldiers and crowds. He was talking about the evil one and his demonic forces. Jesus wanted them to be alert and aware for Satan's temptations and entrapments. As a lot of us know, Peter was willing to fight against the soldiers and the crowds. John records in his gospel that Peter even cut off the right ear of Malchus, one of the high priest servants who had come to be a part of his arrest, of Jesus' arrest. But that was the wrong Fight. If we're not watching and praying, we won't even recognize where the true fight is. How many of us in our nation today are sidetracked from where the real fight is? It's not in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual realm. Peter had just proclaimed that he would not desert Jesus, even if it meant death. And James and John, along with the other disciples, agreed to the same. We're not going to let you down. We're going to be right there with you. As Paul said, they thought they were standing firm. But the problem was that they were overly confident in themselves and what they thought God's will was. When they should have been careful prayerful, and watchful. Going a little farther, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Daddy, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You notice that? is a lot of the Lord's Prayer right there. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to him, Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Does he ask that of the church today? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes 
my betrayer. Jesus had been keeping watch and praying all that night. And as a result, he was prepared to face who knows how many temptations that came his way in the hours ahead. He fully obeyed his father even to the point of dying on the cross. Also that you and me could be forgiven and have the hope of eternal life with God forever. The disciples, on the other hand, let their guard down. And Peter wound up denying Jesus three times, and all 11 of them abandoned him after Jesus' arrest. They were caught off guard in the face of temptation, and it cost them dearly. And it will cost us dearly as well. Heed Paul's words. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Heed Jesus' words. Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the body and the flesh is weak. Pray to God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that oftentimes we don't even recognize when we're being tempted because we're sleeping. We don't even recognize the battle at least not the right one. So, Lord God, we pray that you will open our eyes, especially as we begin in enter into Holy Week. Open our eyes to see Jesus for who he is so that we won't make the mistake that so many made back then. Help us to recognize that we are vulnerable to sin. And that is not something to stubbornly resist but something to humbly give in to your strength and your power so that we can overcome it and help to usher in your kingdom and your glory and your will so that all may hallow your name and declare you to be their loving Father and the God in the heavens. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.